All right, everyone, let's get right to it. Welcome back to Wildcat Formation, episode three. I'm your host, Anders Pryor. Super Bowl weekend, 48 hours away from the biggest game in sports. Great matchup, super exciting. Owen Hewitt, uh, Villanova and Ryder, going to be joining us later in the show. Tons of interesting stuff today. Masked mandate being lifted off campus. Get a round of applause for that. We did it, everyone. We got our vaccines. We can now reap the benefits. Good stuff. Thank you for tuning in. WXVU Radio being brought to you on Spotify. So the awards happened last night, NFL awards show. Most of it, you know, pretty predictable stuff. Um, but we'll go through them anyway. TJ Watt, uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, I don't think anyone really questioned it. I know a lot of people were arguing for uh, Aaron Donald to take it instead. I know a lot of people were uh, lobbying for Aaron Donald to take it instead, but I just think that TJ was uh, the more physically dominating uh, overall athlete in the system that he was in. Uh, I mean, literally when you watch him, right? Like, and I was, I was talking about this with someone the other day. He's one of those players where you don't need to be a consistent watcher of football to look at TJ Watt and be like, wow, his motioning and his hands and his legs and the way that he tilts his body as he runs at the tackles literally pops off the screen. Um, The phrase I like to use, he's an eye candy player. Um, And so I thought it was well-deserved. I thought the moment, you know, with uh, JJ, his brother hitting him off the award, I thought that was a really nice moment. So good for him. Um, Good for him. Micah Parsons obviously defensive rookie of the year. I think we all kind of knew this by like week, I think six, really. There was literally a point where I I think the betting market for defensive rookie by like week 15 literally just was deactivated because there was just no question about anything like I checked at one point during the season and I think the odds for him were like minus 40,000 or something obscene like that but he was the highest impact rookie of the year offense or defense I don't think anyone would dispute that he's a rookie so uh, they're not going to be paying him for a little bit of time and so they still have enough flexibility to kind of still have a lot of those pieces around him, um, but he's going to be the focal point of that defense for the next eight, ten years. Um, really exciting uh, to have him there in Dallas. Chase winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. I thought that was the fair call to do over Mac Jones. Chase was the more physically dominating at his position. Um, he was a more special talent at his position than Jones. Jones was just a really good rookie quarterback. Jamar Chase literally had one of the best statistical wide receiver seasons just ever. And to me, that that transcends the kind of methodical consistency that Jones displayed, the records he set, 
um, there's more separation between Chase and the other rookies than there is between Mac and the other quarterbacks, especially in the context of the dysfunction that a lot of them had to face this year. And in big moments, like really big primetime playoff moments, Jones shrunk, Chase grew. Um, and I don't think anyone, and I think everyone saw that. So I thought that was the right call there. Mike Vrabel for coach of the year as well, um, which feels right considering how Derrick Henry, um, while being gone, um, would have been. Vrabel for coach of the year feels right to me considering how Derrick Henry was gone, but they still managed to get the number one seed. And, you know, we talk about how Tannehill kind of has, you know, certain limitations. He doesn't have as much of an it factor as a Mahomes or an Allen or a Burrow or a Herbert or a Kyler. And even with Tannehill kind of having certain, you know, spiraling outs towards the end of the year was still still kind of got everyone together. His attitude, I feel like, is really good and productive for the team. Very just kind of straight cut, um, don't mess around. Um, not in a way where it's, like, not approachable. He still seems like a very, like, fun kind of, you know, hang with the guys kind of person. Um, but he's no nonsense. And I think that his players, his staff respect that about him. Comeback player of the year going to Joe Burrow, which I thought was very appropriate. I Within the first half of the season, I, I would have given it to Dak um, in terms of a midseason award, but uh, Burrow ultimately did win it, which was the right thing. He would have been my MVP personally, but, um, but his story is still remarkable. The injury um, that he came off of in winning that, division which is just stacked with talent offense defense special teams and getting to the Super Bowl ultimately um it's a comeback story for not just him but kind of a microcosm for the franchise uh as well and then Rodgers won MVP um which I don't have a huge problem with he was great this year um I do think that him winning it is kind of evidence that we do need to move the award in the direction of having the postseason counted, but it's still a great accomplishment. I thought it was deserved, and we'll see if this award, you know, does anything in terms of uh, the decisions that he will make coming into. But I want to go to this now. Um... We all know that recency bias um, can skew opinions, make them murky, make them inconsistent, um, make perspectives about what we most recently saw and not about our beliefs. But I do believe that there's a difference between that and changing your opinion and being consistent about it when new information is presented to you. If I, you know, if I if I went to a restaurant like 10 times and it was great every time and, you know, there was one bad, you know, waiter or waitress and the food sucked, recency bias would point to me saying, oh, that place is so overrated. We never got to go back there again. You know, the service is kind of bad, even though it was good the first 10 times. 
But if I were to say that a friend knew about a restaurant and I went and I told him that I went there and that I ordered a certain thing and I was like, oh, I don't really like the place because, you know, the whatever was not cooked right. They would be like, oh, well, that's never good. You got to get this off the menu. And then we go and we try it and it's really good. I was like, oh, maybe this place isn't so bad after all. That's not recency bias. That's changing your perspective with new information. I feel that way about Joe Burrow, and I want to pitch a reality that I think is true if circumstances play out how I think they will. If Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, he's the best quarterback in the league. Tell me why I'm wrong, right? Like, let's start with let's let's start with Aaron Rodgers, right? Burrow this year, right? More let let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Burrow led. Burrow beat out Aaron in passing yards, yards per completion, yards per game. Aaron had three more touchdowns with a top five offensive line versus Burrow had a bottom 10 offensive line. Um, in terms of completions, they're tied. And then Burrow, once again, edges out Aaron in completion percentage, um, which is especially impressive considering how Aaron likes to throw the ball away a lot. The difference in passer rating, which Aaron technically wins by, is far too tiny to count for anything. The numbers are there and the context is there. And Burrow's better. And it's his second season. And it's off an injury. And it's with a worse team. Well, what about Brady? Right? And Brady's the GOAT. Brady's not here anymore. It's Burrow's league. This is Joe Burrow's league if he wins the Super Bowl. And that's, you know, like, that. that's not a biased thing. Like, when Mahomes won his Super Bowl, and we were all talking about him being the next great AFC quarterback... The GOAT conversation having to do with him already kind of existed. It was already sort of in place for a while when he won his MVP and broke all of his records. If Stafford wins this year, um, I don't think anyone would put him as a top five quarterback in the league compared to Burrow or compared to Mahomes or Allen or Rodgers or, you know, whoever. Um, but if Burrow wins, there's nothing that you could say to deter from the fact that he is the best quarterback. And I don't know what you want. Like, he beat Mahomes twice. Like, it's right there. Um, and he did it, and he did it with a completely inferior roster. If he wins, he will have gotten to the playoffs in a division with... The Browns, who have a stacked roster, the Ravens, who have a stacked roster, and the Steelers, who have a stacked roster, and will have beaten out the Raiders, who find ways to win every week, the Titans, who are the number one seed and had Derrick Henry, and the Chiefs, who they already beat. Andy Reid had time to prepare for him, and they still couldn't do it. That's quarterback play. That's Burrow. And if he wins... It's his league. If he wins, he's the best quarterback. We're now going to bring to you Villanovan staff writer and Titans enthusiast uh, Owen Hewitt onto the show. 
uh, born and raised from Memphis. Owen, thank you for coming on the show. So uh, you're a Titans guy. The Titans a year ago felt like they were one-star player away from being able to win a Super Bowl. And then they added Julio Jones, and it's been a year now, and we still feel like they're one-star player away from being able to win a Super Bowl. And I'm hearing all this Aaron Rodgers stuff about him you know, having a house there, but Titans executives have made it very clear that Ryan is their guy. I feel with Aaron that he doesn't work well with Vrabel from a personality standpoint because Vrabel is very much like a BS free guy. Like he played for Belichick, but he also kind of feels like he would have been a Belichick defensive coordinator. Like if you told me, if you just showed me him and his footage and you told me that he was a Saban guy for a while, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, And it feels like Aaron has new BS for the public media at the end of, you know, every month, basically what would you make the move with the right package to have to be given up? How do you view their relationship would work out together if he was on the Titans? Uh, I would not make that move if I were John Robinson, honestly. Um, it's I think it's too much of a risk. Um, you know, you've got a good thing going in the locker room right now. Uh, and I think Rodgers is a little bit of a... Uh, He's, he's too much of a, of a risk to put in the locker room. Um, I do think he wouldn't mesh well with Vrabel and his style. Um, I really think that Robinson knows that, and he knows Vrabel really well since they kind of came up through the system together. Um, but I, I think if you're Mike Vrabel, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers and you're going, this is another you know, thing to manage in the, my locker room and have to deal with all of his you know, public eye and, you know, I don't want to say his leadership skills are in question, but there are certain things that you have to consider um, when you're talking about Rodgers, especially in the context of the last year or so. Um, And I'm just not sure that I would be willing to take on that risk, even if, I mean, I'm not sure it gets us closer to a Super Bowl than we are right now. Um, I think the main thing you have to be concerned about right now is the offensive line. And I think that everything else is sort of a distraction from that um, because that's where we really failed this year other than obviously Derek was not at 100% uh, going into the the playoff game. Um, and that was really hurtful for the team. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I would lean towards Rodgers because – I'm a Tannehill believer, which is, it's a tough scene right now. Um, But, you know, I watched him for two years make every throw you could ask him to make. And he even made uh, a throw in the Cincinnati game that was, I mean, beautiful to A.J. Brown right on the money. He literally stuck his hands out right in front of him and it dropped him in the bucket. Um, And I think that Cincinnati's defense made really good plays in that game. Um, uh, the one that stands out is uh, the end that came off. I don't remember who it was, uh, but came off and jumped and and swatted the ball and grabbed it. Oh, uh, Yeah, yeah, on the screen pass. Um, and part of that does go on Ryan, uh, but you have to also recognize the fantastic defensive effort from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and 
you know, it's so hard to define one player by one game that I don't feel like the Tannehill experiment is worth giving up on yet. Now you guys have the 26th pick coming up, and you don't pick again until 90. So what you do with 26 is really important in terms of direction. Now there are two things you don't need. You don't need a pass rush because you have three borderline pro bowlers there in Simmons, Autry, and Landry. Um, And then you don't need a safety because Kevin Byer might be the best at that position. Um, I feel like the Titans are one of those teams where um, it's not as clear-cut what they're going to do, and there's a couple different directions that they could go in. I feel like the Falcons and the Raiders and the Cardinals kind of fall in that, that similar category. Um, so what do you think is best? Do you kind of just make do like what you were saying where you bolster that O-line with someone like um, a Trevor Penning or a Darian Kinner? Do you um, try and get Bayard some help with um, a young athletic corner since, you know, Caleb Farley's health is, it is an issue. It was an issue come in college. It was an issue coming out of college. It's an issue now um, with someone like, you know, a Kyir Elam or a Trent McDuffie or, you know, a Roger McCreary. Um, do you decide that you want to fill the void at linebacker with someone like Devin Lloyd if he's available or more realistically, someone like Christian Harris, who I think is just as athletically gifted, or do you say to yourself, you, Hey, you know, this is an offensive league and we can't win a Super Bowl with Westbrook Nikina as our third best receiver and try and go and get someone like Traylon Burks and Drake London or reaches, but someone like a Jahan Dotson or a David Bell or George Pickens, your John Robinson what do you do at 26? Well, at 26, I think, honestly, it's a mistake if you see an offensive lineman you still like and you don't take him. Um, if Penning's still there, I think absolutely you go Penning. Um, if not, I think you just have to go best talent available. Um, and whether that's a receiver or, you know, fixed, limited with what your team needs. But, uh, you know, like... I don't know if I'm John Robinson and I see N'Kobe Dean sitting there on the board when it gets around to the Titans pick, I'm my eyes are stars because, you know, he, I, I context, I'm a Georgia fan as well. Um, so I've watched him play for a couple years and he's one of the most intelligent, most, you know, ball hawking interior linebackers, just stuffs the run, covers the pass, he can cover any tight end. Um, he can, you know, he showed in the national championship, he could cover receivers. Um, so that's my little bit of a Homer pick, I guess you could say would be if he's still on the board, Nicobe Dean, but yeah, honestly, realistically, I would much prefer penning, um, and just have somebody to, to shove in place of, um, you know, uh, I'm forgetting his name, kid out of Charlotte. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> Asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, replacing either one of those interior offensive linemen, uh, both of our our guard play has been very weak with uh, Cousin Barry and uh, the kid out of Charlotte whose name I can't remember now. <laughs> um, but Now you're, you're a Georgia guy. Um, is there any player on that roster at 
on the Georgia roster that you think at 90 might be good to take there, maybe like a Lewis scene or a Darian Kendrick or someone like, or maybe um, what's the name of the, the edge, Adam Anderson, um, anyone in that realm that you might like to see as a Titan? Um, I would love to see scene um, because I do think that corner is an issue. I've watched the Titans for, you know, a couple a decade at this point and we've always had horrific horrific secondary play um minus the uh kevin byard sort of lockdown of the safety position but just on the outside we've always been really really weak um and so getting seen in there to at least bolster that and take a shot um i mean he was really good this year um just having someone because i am worried about caleb farley and uh you know, his health and how he's going to be able to contribute to the team on a regular basis. Um, so I would, I would consider that scene is probably going to be an upgrade to, you know, the corners we've got currently out there, which is nice. And also we have enough guys that if you, you know, you see him in training camp and you don't think he's ready to throw into the fire yet, you can sit him as a as a five or or a six and sit back on him for a year or two and wait for him to develop. So that's you know, that that wouldn't be a bad pick in the third round. So I wanna do an exercise with you. So um all nine head coaching spots have now been taken up. And so I want you, for the next few minutes, you're going to be Professor Owen, and you're going to give out letter grades. To, I want you to give out, give out a letter grade to each of the hiring, um, you know, plus, minus, straight, whatever. Um, explain why. Um, if you absolutely hate it, who you would have preferred to hire. Um, and any context or reason that you might want to give. So we have nine of them here. So we'll just go um, essentially roughly in order of when they happened. So let's start here. What grade would you give the Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett? Probably, you know, somewhere around a B. I don't think it's an exceptional hire. I don't think it's going to change, you know, turn around their franchise in any more than you know, four or five years, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, so I, I, I'd struggle with giving that anything other than just sort of average, you know, it's a fine hire. It'll fill the vacancy and you take a risk and you see what works. I've never really brought, bought the whole hiring him to bring Rogers over on that. I've always kind of viewed that as more of like a con job. I don't really buy that. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, for sure. I, it's never worked. I mean, you know, there have been a million different times that teams have tried to hire guys to lure lure guys away, and it just it so infrequently works out. What grade would you give the Bears hiring Matt Eberflus? Um, probably a B minus. I like that one a little bit less. Um, just because of what you do to fields in that situation. Um, and, and obviously they're going to have to make a decision fairly soon as to whether or not he's their guy or not. Um, but I would have liked to see maybe another year of stability for fields just under the same, you know, the same guy. And 
really have an ability to uh, shore up a little bit because I think that's what young quarterbacks, especially in the molds of field, need is they need consistency in their first couple years in the league. Um, so I think the firing was mm, – I, I understand it because you have a you have a couple bad years in a row, um, and you want to make a change, and that's the easiest change to make. Um, but I don't think it's a bad hire. I don't think it's a great hire. I'm it's not it's not very, you know, one way or the other for me. Mm-hmm. I I really liked. He was my favorite defensive candidate coming out of Indy. Um, I do. We all kind of knew that the offensive coordinator hiring was going to be really important, and I really like Luke Getze, who is a quarterback's coach, so I'm really curious to see um, how they pan out in terms of deciding how personal they want him to be with Fields. Um, How would you grade the Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels? Now this is this is interesting because I know McDaniel's is a in my eyes McDaniel's was a very good hire, but I don't think they should have moved on from um, the interim. Rich Passaccia. Yeah, Rich Passaccia. I don't I don't think you move on from that. I think if you if you have the season that the Raiders do, where you know you have at the start of the year Gruden, all that comes out and you have to deal with that and then the rug situation happens later into the year. If you have a head coach that can oh. <laughs> You're good. You're good. If you have a head coach that can deal with all of that and still get you to the playoffs with the roster that they do and you know, it's not the greatest playoff success ever, but that's still worth something. Um and I th- I really think he's earned I I saw he got a job somewhere recently. Packers special teams coordinator. Yeah. Somebody should take a chance on him because the the quality of leadership you have to have to be able to go through all of that in one year and still lead, you know, a it's not a bad roster, but it's not the world's greatest roster. To to get them over the hump into the into the wild card at least and then lose to the current Super Bowl representative for the AFC. That's not bad at all in my eyes. Um, so I like McDaniel Sire. I realize I've gone a while without giving this one an actual grade. Um, a minus, but I'm I'm mad about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the right timing. Not the right timing. I don't think I don't think McDaniel should be with Vegas because I think Passaccio should still be with Vegas. McDaniel does he doesn't really feel like a Raiders head coach. I mean, I think you kind of need to pop off the screen as a personality. He doesn't really do that right, for me. Right. He definitely doesn't fit the Vegas mold, but honestly, that might not be a bad thing for that team to try and just have a normal head coach <laughs> <laughs> who's not always making headlines. He's not having players arrested every other Right, week. right. Um, what grade would you give the Giants hiring Brian Dable? Um... I think an, I think also an A minus. I like him a lot um, from what I've seen early uh, in interviews. He seems like a really good personality guy. Um, whether or not that will translate to on the field success is one question. But with you, when you have a franchise as I want to say troubled as the Giants, um, who have had their difficulties in the recent years, um, I think. Hiring a culture guy is, is really important because, you know, looking back at it from a Titans perspective, that's kind of what we did with Vrabel where 
you know, you, you buy into the sort of culture and then other things start to follow. You start to make the roster improvements. You start, you know, you, you find talent in guys that in on other teams wouldn't uh, produce in the way that they do because they're buying into that culture. Um, and so I really like that hire, actually. Um, he, he seems like a, like a well-deserving head coach candidate, or I guess now head coach. Um, and I, I think, I think the Giants are, are going to do well under him if they give him enough time. I think that's the stipulation. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of, I, I feel like he's kind of been in the same boat that Eric Bieniemy has been in, in terms of how he's been like rumored to get a head coaching job for like four seasons mm-hmm. now. Um, and he has some college experience at Bama. So he's kind of not out of touch with like modern like young player culture the way that some other coaches right um might be um although i honestly wouldn't be surprised if the buccaneer because i think i think i think andy reed still has about six seven years left i wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple seasons bruce arians retire and they give a call to be enemy i would not be surprised about that at all um but i like i like dable i like he's creative he's innovative um I think it's fair to Daniel Jones that they just give him a full season with yeah. him. Yeah. Um, I think the improvement of Josh Allen is so just insanely exciting that you kind of ha- you have to give the due diligence to Jones. And so I think that they'll do that. I hope that they do that. Um, now, for this next one, we're assuming that this is confirmed pending it technically hasn't been because he's still in the Super Bowl. Um, what do you make? What grade would you give the Vikings hiring Kevin O'Connell? Um, I'm I'm gonna err on the side of average again and go B. Um, you know, it's not a hire I particularly love. It doesn't jump off the page at me. Um, but it's also I don't think it's a bad hire in, in at all. Um, I think. Once again, with the Vikings, you have a situation where you're going to have to build a culture first and then other things will follow um, because that's a, it is a team that's seen recent success, but obviously you know, you've got some young talent on that roster and you've got to make sure you maximize it and make sure that you know, it stays in Minnesota. Um, so I, I really think it's an okay hire. I'm not as sold on it as some of the other hires in the league. Um, but it's not, it's certainly not a terrible hire. It's certainly not a terrible hire. Um, what do you make, what grade do you give the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel as their head coach? Um, I'm I'm gonna err on the side of B plus because I have I've I've liked what I've seen out of him in early interviews as well. Um, once again, same same goes with the uh, Giants hire. I'm I'm not sure how that will translate on on field success, but I've seen it before where you know the culture comes first and the success comes second. Um, but it's another one where I'm not I'm not particularly enthused by it. I feel it's it's a pretty it's a solid hire. It's a safe hire. Um, I think it will go at least decently well if they give him enough time, which I think you could strap that if they give them enough time uh, sort of 
stipulation onto literally every head coaching <laughs> <laughs> hire on this list where like you you they need at least three four years to see where they're going to be at um and i think they'll probably give them that um and i think it will probably be a a good hire at the end of the day um and i think it'll mesh well with uh with Tua and his development the issue with the dolphins has been this is this this is so this is actually my personal favorite hire because the issue with the dolphins has been is that Tua has a lot of physical limitations but usually you can mask those with a really nice consistent creative uh run game which right. the dolphins don't have because you can't do that when your best back is Miles Gaskin, who on the Browns would be the third best right. running back. Right. Um, and so I think that, I mean, I feel everyone from the Shanahan tree is just really bright. So I think that he'll find a way to kind of help Tua feel more comfortable and feel less pressure to kind of do everything because um, they have the defense nailed. They have, you know, like Xavier Howard and Christian Wilkins and Andrew Van Ginkle, I think is a really underrated player mayor, and Javon Holland, who I, who I liked coming out of Oregon, but I didn't think it was going to be that good. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're free safety. Um, and so just, I, I, I like it. I think it's, I think it's the right hire for Tua specifically. He also doesn't really come across as a head coach. He like in you terms of per, so? like well in terms of personality. I've 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 talked to people in my family who say that he kind of comes across as like an anxious lawyer. <laughs> I yeah I mean I can get that a little bit. Um, Not that it's a bad. It's unique. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think I think part of his what his draw is is his. I feel like he's he's been. He's going to be genuine with his players, um, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't seem like a big ego guy, um, which I think is is important to you know the success that they're going to have. What do what grade do you give the Texans hiring Lovey Smith? <sighs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> This is my because of course they did. Yeah, this is my problem. Is that personally, I love Lovey Smith. He seems like a great dude. As a football coach, I'm less sure. (laughs) Um, So I'm gonna go with like a C. I I hope it works out. Well, I kind of don't because the Texans hired him. But for Lovey's sake, I hope he works out. For the Texans' sake, I hope it's a just an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and I'm leaning I'm leaning towards dumpster fire rather mm-hmm. than working out. Um, obviously, that's a situation where you've got a lot of problems and you've got to solve them relatively quickly. Um, and I, I think that Lovey will probably be a sort of gap stop between coaches. Um, and if he can, I think if he can build... Well, I'm going to say it again. If he can build the culture um, and and make sure that that locker room is tight and really work on developing players, um, that will get them to where they need to be to be able to take the next step and compete for the division again. Now, he went 
he got to the Super Bowl in twenty in 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 um two thousand and six, but I'm pretty positive that that Bears roster was a little better. Oh yeah, than the Texans oh, roster. Oh yeah, a little better. That is wrap, that is in place right now, um, where uh, your second best receiver is Nico Collins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Oh wow. Um, but I also think it's a pretty good because because Lovey Smith has a very specific defensive style. He really values takeaways, and so I think that this is an absolute lock that at number three they're going to take Cal Hamilton because Cal Hamilton. I mean, he if I think he's the best just player in the draft. Um, if you watch his like he's able to read runs before the linebackers can. Right. It's, it's essentially like having two players. On the field, it's like having a player in the back and a player in the box at the same time, and that's like Lovey's dream player. Right, right. So I think so. I would really look out for them um, taking Hamilton at three, even if one of the two edges, Thibodeau, Hutchison, are available. Um, but. I'm also curious to see, and I and I also in in terms of the commentary of it being like a diversity hire with like the most like if you're gonna hire a black coach, just hire Brian Flores. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what do you yeah. like? He was right there. He was a finalist. Right, right. I don't. It's a it's a fair question for sure. I I would also probably opt Brian Flores before I would do Lovey Smith, but I don't know. It's. It's a it's a franchise that has not made a lot of great decisions yeah. recently. So, yeah. ooh, David Cully, wow. <laughs> um, what do you think about second in house hiring? What do you think about the Saints? What grade do you give the Saints for, um, going with Dennis Allen? Um, I think I think it's a you know that's a that's a B hire. Um. Which I realize I've given most of these. Um, I think that hiring from within an organization like the Saints is not a necessarily a bad thing um, because they have such a you know you you had guys that coached under Sean Payton whether you whether you like Sean Payton or not um, he was still a really successful coach and I think that probably rubbed off on guys under him. Um, and so I, I really, I think it'll be a solid hire. Um, it keeps your culture intact. It keeps your players with somebody familiar. Um, they're obviously going to have to address what they have at quarterback. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that he's the guy that's going to be able to do that. Um, but I do think for them specifically, it is probably a better idea than trying to go out and find somebody. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, 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 I think that because the Payton departure was so abrupt and out of nowhere, it's I think it's emotionally it's easier for the players if they bring in someone that they know. Um, I kind of view it as being similar to like this to like Notre Dame hiring Marcus Freeman. That's exactly I, it's, what I was it's about exactly, to say. It's exactly like that. I, I think it's a very similar situation to that. Um, and... But I, I agree in terms of the quarterback development because the, the thing is that, you know, with the Bears and with the Bears, at least they have Justin Fields right. 
in house, and even the Giants, like they like Daniel Jones, every fourth or fifth game has a moment where it's like, okay, I can understand why he might be a first round pick. The Saints have used four different quarterbacks in seven game spans, eight game spans. So there's just so much, just, just chaos, inconsistency, and so what they do here. I thought was really important, so I don't really know if a defensive guy was the right move, even if he was in-house, um, but I don't really, from an emotional, in-the-moment perspective, I don't think that, I do think that it was the right thing to do for the players. Yeah. Um, lastly, what grade do you give the Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson? D. I think that's a terrible hire. I think it's a. I think it's an awful hire. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but I. I don't think there are any hires that the Jaguars could have made that would have been, you know, unless you go poach Andy Reid. Like, I don't think. I don't think that's the best situation for Lawrence, um, and I think that's what you have to worry about for the future of your franchise. Is you have to figure out who's going to give the best. Um, opportunity to Trevor Lawrence, who is going to develop Trevor Lawrence the best, because he 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 shouldn't need to be developed that much, but he needs to be taught how to play quarterback in the NFL. Um, and I think I don't I don't think it's a good hire, which I realize is is controversial here in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really I I. I just think it's it's going to be, you know, not great for their offensive situation. Um, I don't think they have the weapons to work with. I don't think they have the right – I don't think the scheme, scheme – I don't think the scheme – I can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the scheme fits the players. I don't – I just – I don't like that hire at all. You don't – the Super Bowl from a few years ago doesn't sell you? No, it doesn't. Because um, that was a miraculous run, but if you look at what what happened after that, um, I it's not enough sustained success to for me to think, okay, like we're willing to take a risk on this guy to develop our franchise. I want something a little more proven than, you know, it was, it was an exceptional run, but... Um, I think you just have to take into account you you need long-term success if you're going to be long-term successful in the NFL, and that's what they're trying to do with Trevor Lawrence. Now, you did just put Doug Peterson at a lower grade than Lovey Smith. Um, who 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 would you have hired? I do want to I do want to clarify that that is less of a grade for Doug Peterson and more of a grade for the Jaguars organization. <laughs> Uh, who would I have hired? I'm honestly not sure because obviously you went to the college ranks last time and that didn't work out so well. Um, I like I I don't think it would have been a perf- appropriate for them to hire like Lane Kiffin right. or like Luke Finkel or something right. like that or like um, where did Har- Harbaugh end up? Uh, he's just going back to Michigan. Is he? Yeah, that might have been my hire. That might if I were the Jaguars, yeah. why not? Yeah, right? 
Like, you're already at the bottom of the league. Take a risk mm-hmm. and see where it's at. And maybe you have some somebody who can, you know. He was in and out for like a month. Like, it was like he was going to be the Raiders head coach. And then yeah. he went back to Michigan. Then he was going to be the Vikings, the Vikings head, coach, head coach. And then pulled out the last minute. So he was literally like confirmed twice in like a week. And nothing ended up happening. But I would have also gone with that. I, I, I was... I was kind of against them bringing... I, I wanted them to bring in someone with actual experience as being a head coach. I actually was very much in favor, and people who listened... On previous episodes, I've made this very clear. I Peterson was my pick for this position. I don't really feel like... it. Trevor Lawrence is so valuable, and you have to get him right. Right. And so I don't really... Feel feel like bringing in like an experimental hire like 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 a like a Kellen Moore or someone in that field would have been appropriate um but I understand that it doesn't feel like as much of a big swing necessarily as someone like Harbaugh for instance so I understand the criticism of that that's the time we have for today folks Go enjoy this nice weather over the weekend. I'm Anders Pryor. This has been Wildcat Formation on WXVU Radio brought to you on Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.